welcome back to this episode of the Fueled by Fire podcast. I'm your host, Evan Groover, and I am super excited that you decided to come back again today uh, to listen to a little bit more of our conversation on this idea of consumer Christianity. Now, I think one big aspect of that um, or the mentality that is born out of this consumer Christianity is what makes a healthy church? I know this is something that I've personally struggled with quite a bit over the last few years as a member of a very small church in rural Pennsylvania. I've gone back and forth, um, both in my own mind and in conversations with other people, about how how do you actually define the health of a church? How do you know if a church that you're attending is doing what churches are designed to do or what God has has commanded churches to do, and how can you be a judge of whether or not your church is helping you grow, is healthy, and is and is doing, again, everything that we've been commanded to do. And I think if we were to look at this conversation on a macro level or a big picture level, it's very easy to fall into this trap that church attendance is the thing that can tell you whether or not a church is healthy. You know, we, we've seen this movement or this um, kind of idea that mega churches or big churches are, are the only healthy churches. Obviously, if a church is large, there's something good happening there and other people want to be a part of it. But I found, both through my own research and my own conversations, that I don't know that that's, that's always the truth. Now, that's not to say that, that all big churches are unhealthy or all smart, small churches are unhealthy or all big churches are perfectly healthy and, or, you know, or that small churches are the preference or the way to go in terms of spiritual growth. But I think we have to dive a little bit deeper into this, um, this, this thought uh, of does attendance really truly indicate that a church is healthy? And I'm going to make an argument that attendance is, is, uh, can be a factor, but is not the sole judge of how a church is in terms of their health. I think that first and foremost, participation by the church membership or by the congregation is, is a is a great way to judge how healthy the church is. You know, if you look at a church of a thousand people and twenty percent of their church is participating, you know, that that's kind of a, a low percentage, you know. But you may look at a church of fifty people and ninety percent of their people are participating. You know, what would be the argument there? Well, I would say that the people in the smaller church are recognizing the call that they have to serve in their local church, to be involved, to volunteer, to carry that burden, to support their pastor, to serve people. They they see that mandate in scripture and they're living it out. You know, whereas there's a lot of people in big churches who who use the size of the church as a way to hide, right? It, it's it's consumer Christianity. It's this idea that I show up on Sundays and that's all I had to do. Right. It's this, you know, it's kind of like that that joke where they say, you know, um, just because you spend all your time in a garage doesn't actually make you a car. You know, just because you spend all your time in church doesn't actually make you a Christian. You know, and while people say that jokingly, I think there's a lot of truth to that. You know, just because you walk through the doors of a church on a Sunday morning doesn't mean that you're living according to the gospel or the way that that Jesus Christ lived his life as an example for us. So I think that, um, you know, idleness is an issue. 
in a lot of churches, both big and small. You know, you'll get to some small churches where 10 people are doing all the work. Um, you'll get to some big churches where a lot of people are participating and, and involved in life groups and small groups and service opportunities. Um, you know, it goes both ways. So again, I'm not saying that a small church or a large church is better. Uh, they're different. But I think that this is a good indicator of, of, of a way to know. And, and 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3 is all about warning us against being idle. Now, that particular section of Scripture focuses a lot on the idea that, you know, idle people, um, you know, shouldn't be taking advantage of the generosity of others or expecting or having this idea of entitlement um, to, to food. You know, this is the uh, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat section of Scripture. And and I think that, that while it's not directly, um, you know, compatible or directly, you know, relatable to the church, I think there's some things that we can take away from that. You know, that idleness in general is not good. And so if you are, you know, are a part of a church family, just like you would your family at home, if you're sitting around and doing nothing and expecting everyone else to work for you, but you're trying to reap the benefits of that work, you know, I think we have a problem. I think, I think we need to examine our heart. I think we need to figure out, you know, what maybe do a little bit of digging to see what our gifts are and how we can get involved. And sometimes there's, you know, extenuating circumstances to some of these things. You know, some people consider themselves introverts and therefore wouldn't necessarily get involved in an outreach. And that, that's fine. You know, but there is a place for everybody. You know, the body is made up of many parts and every person who's a, a part of the body of Christ has a role and has a purpose. You've been gifted. You've been, uh, you know, entrusted, just like the story of the talents, the parable of the talents in scripture, right? You've been entrusted with, with a gift, with a talent, and it's up to us to, you know, cultivate that, to grow that, to use that. And so um, the body needs that. You know, there are there are people who are called to be teachers and evangelists and preachers, and there's people who are called to help and to serve and to administer. And so, you know, really all of us, regardless of where we go to church, should be involved to some capacity. Um, another thing that I, I think is a good sign of church health is the rate of giving in the church. Now, don't hear amount, right? We're not talking about the amount per person that's given. I focus more, and I'm my church's treasurer, I focus more on are people giving and are they giving regularly? You know, if 90%, 80% of your church is tithing or giving to different guest speakers or ministries that come through, I think that's a really strong indicator that they're recognizing that that's what they're called to do. We're called to give and give generously. And I believe uh, you can find that conversation. Paul writes about it in Second Corinthians. But, but I think it's it's really important that that you know we're giving back to the work of the church. That we are empowering the leadership, empowering the people who are doing ministry um, to be able to have the resources to accomplish what what they need to accomplish. You know, can we help meet needs? Right. It's this idea that, like in Scripture, where they talk about sell everything and, and share everything and meet each other's needs. You know, if we have excess, let's give it so that other people who are who are struggling can live, you know, have their needs met. 
and, and be able to live life and be able to produce and be be productive members of society and not have this you know this idea there's this idea of food insecurity right and so I work for a school that really cares about that and so we have a pantry on campus where students can come and get their food um, that they might need at home in order to you know be able to study and, and and have energy and all of those things to accomplish their educational goals and so I think that's even more important in the church right how are we how are we caring for the widows and the orphans so to speak both inside of our fellowship but also outside of it um, I also uh, would care to judge church health by the people participation again but but more specifically people who are showing up outside of the Sunday service right if you have small groups if you have life groups if you have a Wednesday night Bible study whatever that may be are people showing up are they hungry for the word and that's not to say that they're going to show up every single week that's not to say that a hundred percent participation is, is practical but are they showing up regularly are they participating when they're there are they learning Um are they volunteering, right? If you have a service project, do you have a lot of people who are showing up? You know, it may be impractical, but I love the idea that we have to start turning away volunteers because we have so many people signed up to participate, you know, in that, in that serving at the local soup kitchen or the meal that you're serving on your campus or the, or the community function that you've prepared, um, or that you've organized for your community in order to bless them with some fun, family fun. Um, I think ultimately, you know, the question that we need to ask is, are our churches helping us go from the milk to the meat? You know, you might attend a very large church. You might attend a church that claims or, or positions themselves as a seeker's church. And that's fine. You know, that everybody has a role. Everybody has something that they do well. And everyone has something that they are called to accomplish for the kingdom. You know, but but at some of these churches, right, these messages never never deviate from the same kind of seeker type message. And so the people who have been attending for four or five years, and that's all they're getting, are they growing? Are they maturing? Do they are there opportunities for them to go from the milk to the meat? That could be a Bible study, that could be a small group, it could be any number of things. But, you know, I, I think that we really need to focus our attention as leaders and, and people who are participating in our church. Are there opportunities for us to, to learn more, to grow deeper on our relationship with God, to grow deeper in our understanding of Scripture? You know, are we willing to challenge people who, you know, or if our church is not giving us that, are we willing to, to stand up and say, we need new opportunity, we need opportunity to grow, we need to be able to do these things in order to um, deepen our relationship, grow in our relationship, and ultimately be more impactful for the kingdom of God. The Another question I, I would want to ask is, are your services orderly? Now, you've probably heard the teaching in 1 Corinthians 14.25 about orderliness and the use of, of tongues and all of that in, in a particular service. So I, I would ask, you know, are is your pastor providing sound biblical teaching? You know, there's a lot of uh, popular pastors out there who have a very strong following, and they're quite the speaker, very dynamic, very friendly, very understandable. Um, but unfortunately, you know, some of these guys and gals don't necessarily have a strong foundation in the word or have a strong theology. Um, and they, you know, and, and it's kind of that idea that people want to follow um, people who, tickle their ears, so to speak. Um, you know, this idea that, you know, if you're preaching something that I like to hear, I'm going to keep following. But as soon as you deviate from that, I'm walking away. And so we, we need to understand that our pastors need to be 
sound biblical teachers, pulling from the word truth and delivering it to us. And it might not always be the most dynamic message in the world, but we have to trust that, you know, and empower our pastors to allow the Holy Spirit to speak. You know, the Holy Spirit can communicate whatever he needs, however he needs it, through whomever he'd like. You know, and so if we're if we're judging our pastors based on their ability to be dynamic or their ability to, you know, get fired up about a message, you know, that's cool and I like it, but at the same time, you know, that's not necessarily telling us that he is a, 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 you know, spends a lot of time in the word, has a strong theology, and therefore is helping us grow and mature. And finally, and the last question I think that we need to ask is, is our body unified? You know, is there a lot of division in the church? Are there different sects of people within the church who have different goals, a different mindset, and are trying to push the church in a different direction? Or do we all see the vision? Do Have we all caught the pastors and the leadership's vision? Are we moving in the same direction? You know, do we have a, a similar theology? You know, are we are spending a lot of time arguing about theology? Or are we mostly in agreement? And that's not to say that people can't have differences, that people can't interpret parts of Scripture a little bit differently. But but you know what unity looks like. You know, you treat each other like a family. You care about each other. You love on each other. When there are problems, you're willing to address them. You're not going behind people's back and trying to, you know, uh, poke holes in their argument to other people or try to discredit that person to another member of the congregation. You know, you, you're, you're willing to talk things out and you're doing it not argumentatively, but in a loving way. In a way that's going to bring about change uh, in that person, or you know, you you come to the agreement that you listen, you're just going to agree to disagree, and that's okay. You know, it's okay to have slightly different interpretations of scripture in a particular body. You know, as long as we maintain those key tenets of what it is that we believe. But you know, I, I would argue that you know, division in the body um, versus unity in the body is a really important you know, concept. And Paul writes about it. You know, he he writes these letters to these churches in the New Testament, and he talks specifically about unity in Philippians, in 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and Galatians. You know, so four of his letters focus on church and body unity. So I would say that if Paul's willing to write about it to four different places, it's something that we need to consider, something that we really need to focus on. So, you know, if if you're looking for a church, if you're, you know, unhappy with your church, you know, uh, whatever the, the situation may be, you know, I hope that a couple of those things really stick out to you as a measuring stick that you can use to to judge whether or not the body that you're visiting or the church that you're in is truly healthy. And then hopefully, you know, the Holy Spirit can inspire you to to take some action or to talk to some people, you know, if the church isn't healthy, uh, to help get it back on the right track. You might not be a pastor, you might not be an elder, you might not be a deacon, but but everyone can have an opportunity to make an impact in their corner of the world. So I think I think that's something that, you know, we we need to pray about and just see how the Lord leads us in order to, you know, take action and intervene. But um, I would love to hear any ideas or any other thoughts that maybe I overlooked, something that you disagree with, something that you totally agree with, or just some something else to add to the conversation. You can drop it in the comments below. You can record a vlog, video of yourself, talking a little bit about it. Whatever works for you, drop it below. But um, tune in next week for our next episode of the Fueled by Fire podcast. We'll talk to you soon.